Hey y'all, this is Jenny Bellicky and you're listening to the Funky Farm Girl Podcast. Welcome back y'all. This is episode 43, Water Bath Canning. This week we're going to talk about all the equipment you need, the procedures you need to go through, and what kinds of foods you can water bath. But before we get into today's episode, let's stop and talk about what's happening on the homestead this week. This week, we are considering this winter sewing take two. Last week, I said that we were working on winter sewing, and I had gotten everything gathered up and ready to start. And lo and behold, we had day after day after day after day of rain. And that really messed up our plans for winter sewing. So we are going to try that again. And we are going to be getting started on that tonight and working on that the rest of the week. We are also doing a little bit of garden bed prep. We finally have some sunny days. And so we're going to take advantage of the next couple days and clean out some garden beds. This morning, I cleaned out the flower bed in front with Georgia and Amber and planted some bulbs that we did not have time to plant in the fall. And Gracie began a tomato bed for her back in the back part of the property. And then I cleared out a bed of old herbs and things like that that will this year be used for medicinal herbs and at the beginning for cold crops like kale, Swiss chard, mustard greens, collard greens, broccoli, and cauliflower. So follow along with me on Instagram and you can see in my stories pictures of all of those things and some other stuff we're doing this week. Now I want to tell you about a great product that I have recently come to discover. Y'all know that I love fair trade products. I love to know that small farmers are being paid a fair price for the food that they produce. And it isn't any different when that food comes from another country. It's especially even more important. And so when I started my search for vanilla beans in making my own extract, I really wanted to make sure that I found some good high quality beans that were sourced from a fair trade company. And so I discovered native vanilla. Now native vanilla is fair trade. They buy directly from the micro farmers in Papua New Guinea. And they also um, invest in the community. And so they're much, much more than just a business that's buying vanilla beans. It's really brought a lot of vitality back to the communities um, that they are purchasing from where these micro farmers live. And so you can purchase vanilla beans, vanilla powder, you can purchase extract from them, or you can purchase um, this wonderful sugar that has bits of vanilla bean in it. And if you're wondering, well, what all do you do with vanilla? I mean, I know you can bake with it, but what else is there? How about some Chilean monkey tail punch? Doesn't that sound intriguing? Let me tell you, I have read the recipe on their website and it sounds amazing. We're going to be having dinner with another couple on Friday night and I definitely plan to make this to go with our dessert. So if you're curious, click the link in the show notes and find out what's in this Chilean monkey tail punch. 
And then be sure to stay tuned to Instagram because on Saturday, I am going to be doing a demo on Instagram TV for how to make the extract. And I'm going to be promoting a giveaway from me and Native Vanilla this weekend. We're going to give away a vanilla bean extract kit, which includes the vanilla beans and a bottle to put the extract into along with the label and we're going to be giving you a bag of that luscious vanilla bean sugar so be sure to stay tuned on instagram over this weekend so that you can see that demo and you can register for the giveaway from the funky farm girl and native vanilla let's get into this week's episode This week, we're going to talk about water bath canning. And it may seem kind of random to just all of a sudden be like, oh, let's talk about canning. Right when everybody's gearing up to start their gardens and are starting to plant seeds and things like that. Last week, we were talking about the winter sowing method of seeds. So if you heard me mention that in the beginning and you're not quite sure what that is, be sure and go back to last week's episode on winter sowing to find out more about that. But why are we talking about water bath canning in February? Well, let me tell you, you're going to want to help preserve your harvest and the in-season fruits that you go and buy from your farmer's market or from your local store, all those berries and things that are gonna be on sale, super cheap, and you're gonna wanna stock up on them and you're gonna want to make jams and jellies and pickles and and preserved tomatoes and things like that but if you've never done it before in the midst of all the busyness of spring it may feel intimidating to also process how to do something new so why not begin the process of learning that now become familiar with it so that when the time comes you're a little more comfortable with the whole thing and the second reason I want to talk about it is because canning supplies are still in low stock um, pretty much universally. You can find bits and pieces of things here and there, but honestly, if if you don't have the equipment, it's going to take you a little while to find it. So I highly recommend that you start browsing Facebook Marketplace for a canning pot or just be on the lookout for a large stock pot at Walmart or on Amazon or wherever else you're shopping that could be used as a canning pot. You can be beginning to buy jars with the lids on them. If you buy a new box of jars, they come with the lids and rings that are new. If you already have jars to use, um, hopefully you have some rings as well and you'll have to get new lids and those lids are very difficult to find right now. Um, I think I've pretty much decided that I'm going to buy jars that come with rings even though I don't really need the rings because that's going to be the the easiest way for me to find the lids is to buy the lid and ring combos um, and just have those extra rings for when I need them. So while you're looking for these equipment items that are low in stock and harder to find let me give you some idea of what it is you actually need to be looking for. So let's talk about equipment first and foremost. 
The first thing you're going to need, obviously, is canning jars and lids. Okay, you can't preserve food if you don't have anything to put it in. So you need to make sure that you get canning jars and the lids and rings to go on them. Obviously, you don't want to reuse like a jelly jar you got from the grocery store. That lid is not going to be the proper kind to create a new seal. And that jar may or may not be made to withstand the heat of water bath canning. You want to make sure that you get mason jar canning jars. Um, you can get the ball brand, Kerr. Um, there's several different mainstays from Walmart um, makes jars as well. Um, really any of the kind of Amber Hawking even makes jars. As long as you're getting new jars or you're getting jars from other people who have no cracks and chips out of them um, that are made to be used for canning, those will work great. And then make sure that you have the flat lid that goes on top of that and the ring that goes around it. Um, you can get those jars either in regular mouth or in wide mouth. You can get small half pint jars that are great for things like jams and jellies. You can get the pint jars that are really great for things like salsa and pickles. And then you can get the quart size jars for things like tomato sauce. Now, as I mentioned before, you're also going to need a large pot with a well-fitted lid. You can really use a stock pot. I have done half pint jars in my Dutch oven, my cast iron Dutch oven before, because it's, it's deep enough to cover the jars with enough water. If you have a large pot, go ahead and put the sealed jars down in there and pour the water up above it. And if you can get two inches of water above it and still have room for a rolling boil, then that pot will work um, as long as you have a lid that goes on it. So if you're having trouble finding a canning pot or you want to go the frugal route and you don't want to buy another pot just for that one thing that you only use a few times a year, then consider other types of pots that may work as well. The next thing you're going to need is a flexible spatula that's made of either rubber or plastic. You don't want it to be a reactive thing like metal. Um, you also don't want to be banging metal around in a hot jar. Um, and something like wood I don't think would work either because it would absorb um, the taste or smell of what you're making at the time. It's not really going to help you. Um, for what this is used for. Basically what you're going to do is you're going to run it around on the inside to break up any air bubbles that might be in your food before you go to seal it. So um, make sure you have a long thin rubber spatula as long as you have one of the long skinny ones. Um, it doesn't have to be specifically for canning. Um, I have one from Pampered Chef that's long and skinny and I just use that. You're also going to need a canning funnel. This is a specific funnel that is made with a wide enough opening on it that it fits exactly inside of a canning jar. And this way you're able to fill the jar without worrying about it spilling over on your hand or on your counter or all down the side of the jar. It's much, much easier to fill when you have a canning funnel. Then you're going to need a jar lifter and a lid wand because both of those things are going to help you to move the jars and lids 
in hot water without having to burn your hands and so that way you're able to do it safely there are several kits available on Amazon that have all these basic supplies in them as well as a lot of them have a rack or a silicone type trivet thing that goes in the bottom of your canning pot because you're going to want something between the jars and the bottom of the pot um, to prevent glass breakage um, and there are several of those types of kits on Amazon right now. I have a link in the show notes to one of my favorites so be sure to check that out if you're looking to get all those supplies you can get everything in one little package all together so check out the show notes for that now let's get into the procedure there are seven steps that you need to take to go from food to canned and so let's start at the beginning and walk through what it looks like to water bath can in this example we're going to be talking about jelly or jam but this is something that would apply to any type of food that you would water bath can the process is the same no matter what your water bath canning the thing that will vary is the amount of time that the process goes for and we'll talk about that when we get down to step six so step one is to prep your jars the first thing you have to do is make sure that your jars are really clean and sanitized and the reason you want to do this is because anything that's in that jar that is not clean can cause food to break down it can cause spoilage and botulism and we want to make sure that there's no chance once we put food in these jars that anything is going to get in there that would cause it to spoil because that will make us sick so we need to make sure these jars are good and clean and you can do that in one of two ways the first lazy way to do it is or maybe it's not lazy maybe it's the smart way the smartest way to do it that takes the least amount of effort is to wash them and dry them in the dishwasher so load everything up in the dishwasher run it through a wash cycle run it through the drying cycle so that they're good and hot and heated and then keep that door of the dishwasher closed until you're ready to use the jars then pop them out close the door again to keep everything in there nice and hot until you're ready to use it the other reason um, you're going to the other thing that you could do to get your jars nice and clean is to wash them by hand in hot soapy water so you're going to want to watch wash the lids the bands and the jars and then once you get them all washed in the hot soapy water you're going to rinse them well and you're going to take your canning pot and put those jars the empty jars down into the canning pot and you're going to cover them with water so that the water spills over into them and comes up a little past the top Put that on a simmer for about 10 minutes and that will keep your jars warm so in both cases we're making sure that everything is clean and we're making sure that those jars are staying warm and the reason for that is we're going to put hot food into those jars and if you have cold jars or even just room temperature jars and you got to put something really hot in there there's a chance that glass could break or explode so you want to make sure that your jars are warm before you put hot food into it so that there's not that temperature shock when you fill the jars so now we have our jars prepped 
let's prep our lids and rings. We've washed those lids and rings with the jars and now we're going to set them up on the counter. We're going to make sure that we have enough of the rings and enough of the jars, uh, jar lids to have one for each thing. Always pre-count ahead of time and verify that you have enough. Nothing worse than putting all the food in the jars and realizing you don't have enough lids or enough rings because then you can't process that one. So always count it out. Um, there is a lot of information out there that will tell you that you need to take the lids and put them into a small pot of water to simmer for about 10 minutes to get them ready for use. The reason they tell you to do this is if you turn over that, that flat metal lid on the back of it where the ring is around the edges of that lid, it's, it's like a brownish orange color. That actually has some wax in it. Um, a long time ago, they used to just wax seal the jars. And you can actually still buy canning wax in the stores if you're looking for it. Um, but now what they do is you, you, you use a new lid and that lid has enough wax on that outer edge to seal the lid to the jar and not allow anything in. So in order for that to work properly, that wax needs to be soft enough before you put it on that hot jar to seal it. And so you put it in a little pot of simmering water on the stove and you keep it there until you're ready to use it. Now, if you luck out and you buy brand new jars right now, or if you buy brand new lids right now that are the ball sure tight lids, those don't need to be done ahead of time. They have perfected some technology where it's not necessary to preheat those lids. So you can take them right out of the package and put them right on the, um, right on the jar once you've washed them. They don't need to stay warm. Step three. So step one was prep your jars. Step two, set up lids and rings. Step three, we're going to fill the jars with our jam or our pickles or our tomato sauce, whatever it is we're making. Be sure to check the instructions in your recipe for how much space to leave between the top of your food and the top of the jar. In general, that's going to be a half inch gap, but some things will tell you to leave a little more. Some things will tell you to leave a little less. So be sure to check the recipe that you're using and follow those instructions on the amount of gap between the top of the food and the jar lid. And that's called the head space. So once you've got it in there and you've got it up to the half inch mark or wherever it is you need to, to put it at, then you're going to run that little spatula around the inside of the jar and make sure that it releases any air bubbles that might be in there. Then you're going to take a, a clean dishcloth and wipe off the rim. You don't want any food residue there because one, it may make the lids not seal well because there's debris in the way that prevents it from sealing to the jar. Or two, it might be on the outer rim where you're going to put the ring and it might cause the ring to stick. So be sure to wipe off the rims to make sure that you get a good seal and you don't make your rings stick. 
So then step four would be to add your lids and rings. You're gonna use your little lid wand to remove the lids from the pot. It has a little magnet on the end of it and you just stick it in there and go pop and pull it right out. Put it on your jar. Um, so just set it down on top of there. Make sure it's lined up. It's not like sideways or hanging off on one side or make sure it's good and lined up around there. And then you're gonna take your rings and you're gonna put them on there and you're gonna turn it just so that it's fingertip tight. You don't wanna like grab hold of it and really crank it down. They don't need to be over tightened. That can actually cause the food to become too pressurized and it can push up on your lid and warp it um, or make it explode inside of your canner. So you wanna just, just fingertip tight is just fine. Just taking the tips of your finger and turning it and that's plenty fine enough. So that's step four, adding the lids and rings. Then we get to the fun part. We're gonna add these filled jars to the canning pot. This is step five. You're gonna want to make sure that you have a canning rack placed in the pot. Again, this could be like a silicone trivet that sits on the bottom that comes with some of these canning um, kits or it could be a metal basket that fits down inside of it um, but make sure there is something in there that's between your jars and the bottom of the pot because it's going to get pretty hot and you don't want those jars to have direct contact with the bottom of the pot now you're going to grab your jar lifter and lower the jars into the water that is already in there you've had some water in there from warming up your jars so you're going to put those jars in there with the lids and rings and the food already in them so now we have filled jars where we once had empty jars then you're going to add hot water enough to cover the jars one to two inches above the top so once the jar is in the water make sure there's one to two inches of water above the tops of those jars um, the best thing that I have found is to have a tea kettle that you have either boiled water in or kept it pretty close to boiling on the stove so that once you've got that in there you can just top it off with however much water you need from that tea kettle and then you don't have to wait on it to heat up enough to come to a boil. So now step six we're going to process the jars. You need to cover the canner with the lid and bring it to a rolling boil. Please learn from my mistake of inexperience. I used to leave the lid off until I knew it was rolling boil and then I would put the lid on. And honestly, that makes it take twice as long to come to a rolling boil because so much of the heat is escaping out of the top. Put the lid on, be listening for it. This is not something where you wanna walk away and forget it. Stay nearby. When you hear it and you think it's starting to boil, crack the lid, take a peek. And then once your water starts a rolling boil, then you start your processing time. It's typically 10 to 15 minutes. It could be as long as 20 if it's something like tomato sauce in a quart jar. Uh, it will depend on the size of your jar and the type of food that you're processing. Be sure to check your recipe and follow it. Um, to a T as far as processing time goes. When your timer is up 
and you've had it at a rolling boil for the specific amount of processing time, then you can turn off the heat and take off the lid and let the jar sit for about 10 minutes. This is going to cause the water temperature to gradually begin to cool and so the jars themselves will gradually start to cool and be a little bit easier to handle and also will help you avoid temperature shock when you take them out of the water. Step seven is to cool and store. We're at the end folks, you're almost there. So what you need to do is use that handy dandy jar lifter and remove each jar from the pot and place them on like a tea towel or a cutting board or something to give them a little bit of cushion underneath the jar between the jar and the countertop. Um, especially if you have granite countertops like I do, you don't want to be banging those jars on that granite countertop. You would definitely shatter a jar that way. I use a dishwashing mat that we usually dry dishes on and I'll just set that out and then put the jars right on that. Space them out. Don't let them be touching and as much as possible keep from tipping the jars sideways. Kind of keep them. Lift them straight up. Bring them over. Set them down. Think about like the claw inside of one of those little machines with the toys in it. So you just want to pick it up, move it over, drop it down. And then you need to resist the urge to press down the lid. It is so easy to want to go and push on the middle of the lid and, and hear it pop and make it seal when you take it out of that canner. But there's a good reason that you don't want to do that. If you do that, you possibly can be causing what's called a false seal where because of the temperature change that just happened and you pushing down on that, it causes a temporary seal, but it's not one that will hold. And so then your food's going to spoil and you're not going to be aware of it and you're going to lose that jar of food. So what you want to do is to put them there and leave them alone. You will notice that there will be a little puddle of water in the top of each jar. Don't even worry about trying to wipe that off. Just leave it there and let that air dry because you don't want to mess with that lid as it's cooling. You need to leave it and, and not touch it and let it seal and cool on its own. And then you'll start to hear the little pop it makes as it seals each jar. You need to leave those jars on the counter for about 24 hours. I leave them at least overnight. Like I tend to do my canning in mid-afternoon or after dinner. And I'll leave them overnight. And then the next morning I just kind of run my finger over each one of them to see if they're sealed. If there's any that are not sealed, I'll leave them out until it's been the 24 hours to see if they will eventually seal. If they don't. Um, you could reprocess them with a new lid or you could just take and put that particular jar into the refrigerator. If they're not sealed, you do not want to put them into storage because they will spoil. After 24 hours, when you're ready to put them into storage, you're going to want to remove the rings from the jars. I used to think that this was crazy. And then I understood why they tell you to do it that way. If you have a ring or a band, 
Uh, I think I've called it both of those things throughout the podcast. Um, The ring or band around the jar and you put it into storage that way, it's going to give you a false impression about the seal on that jar. Even if its seal is loose, you won't be aware of it because that ring is holding it into place. When you remove the rings from all of your jars, then you're able to push and move, put your fingers on the edges of the jars and check that the seal is true. If it's not true, it's going to have a bubble in the top of it that moves. It's not going to be tight sealed down. It's going to wiggle. It's going to slide and you'll know it's not sealed and you'll be able to refrigerate that food or put a new lid on it and try again with processing. However, if you don't and you just put it in the cabinet with that ring or band on it, you're not going to know that it didn't seal and that food's going to sit in your pantry and spoil. So always make sure that you remove your rings and then when you get it out of the pantry and you pop off the seal to open it up and begin using it, then grab that ring out of your storage and put it on the jar to be able to seal it to go into the refrigerator after that. I have mine in a market basket um, in the bottom of my pantry. I just keep a whole basket full of rings down there. Now, that sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? I think just about anybody can do that process. And now that you know how easy it is, I'm sure that you're like, Tell me all the things that I can water bath because that sounds so simple and so fun and so amazing and I want to start now. So let me tell you the types of things you can water bath can. First of all, as I mentioned before, jams and jellies. You can take a recipe of jam or jelly, fill up your jars, put the lids and rings on, and get those in the processor and you can make jam and jelly for days and they are fabulous for water bath canning another thing you can do is any kind of fruit last year we had a whole whole bunch of apples that we were given and we couldn't eat them fast enough and so we peeled them and chopped them up into chunks we poured them into the jars we put apple juice over top of them to cover them And we water bath can those and they are perfect now. Now we can dump them out into a colander to just drain them and use them for apple pie or apple cobbler or anything like that. And they, it's just a real quick way to eat those apples or to use them in a recipe. You can also do any kind of pickled vegetables. Pickled okra, pickles, pickled cucumber, you know, pickled green tomatoes, uh, anything like that, pickled peppers, anything like that that's that's going to have a brine. Um, these are high acid foods, so anything that's going to keep that acid level high is what you're going to want to use. And then, of course, tomato products. And the caveat with tomato products is make sure, make sure, make sure that you're using a tested recipe for safety because you're going to need to make sure that you're adding in lemon juice and you're going to make sure 
Um, as far as the other things that you're adding in, things like onion can affect the acidity of the food. So don't just willy-nilly use your grandma's tomato sauce recipe and then try to water bath can it. It may not be the right acidic level. Be sure to use a standard tested recipe. And then when you're doing these recipes, be sure to follow them exactly and don't change things up. Of course, you can change a seasoning, like a spice or something like that. Maybe it says to use cinnamon and you don't like cinnamon, so you use nutmeg instead. Something like that is fine. But as far as things like adding or deleting peppers or onions or leaving out lemon juice when it's called for, those kinds of things can change the acidity level and can make your food unsafe and could lead to botulism. So please be sure to follow your recipe closely and don't make substitutions without consulting and doing some research. I also last year was able to acquire a ball brand jam and jelly maker. And let me tell y'all, I did jams and jellies for about three or four days and then I got it out and did several more again and we are still eating the jam and jelly that I made then and it was so easy. So if you are able to get hold of one, they're wonderful. However, they're not making them anymore and they're a little bit harder to find. And with all the canning supplies and short supply, that's kind of been hard to find too. So if you don't have that, do you have a bread machine? Most people don't know that almost every bread machine has a jam setting on it. So check the manual of your bread machine or check the buttons and see if yours has a jam setting. Mine could make strawberry jam so, so easy. And it essentially works the same as the jam and jelly maker. But if you have a bread machine, it's it's a smaller thing that's also used for more than just that one function. So if you can't find a jam and jelly maker or it's out of your budget and you do have a bread machine or you find one maybe at Goodwill, check and see if it has that jam function and try that to make your jam and jelly making easy and fun. There's a ton of options and possibilities when it comes to water bath canning. Maybe you are a little intimidated by pressure canning and that's totally okay. I still have not crossed over there yet. I'm I'm learning more about it so that I'm more comfortable with the way it works. And eventually I do plan to try it for things like broth and I'd like to learn how to can some meat so that we have it in case of like a power outage or something like that. Um, but Basically, almost anything that I want to make, I can make water bath canning. I'm not producing enough vegetables like green beans right now to merit knowing how to pressure can. And maybe that will be something I learned this year. But there are so many possibilities of things that you can water bath can. This year, I canned over 200 jars of food, all with water bath canning. So if I can do it, you can too. If water bath canning is not your thing or maybe you want more than one option, consider looking into freezing food, dehydrating food, learning how to use that pressure canner, 
there's lots of different options for ways that we can preserve food. Water bath canning is just one of many different methods that we can use. So your call to action this week is to go find your canning supplies. Gather up what you can. Look on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, maybe on Mercari. Uh, that's a great app that has lots of used items to buy um, online or maybe on eBay. Check out Walmart, Goodwill, all the different places that are going to have canning supplies. Be sure to check that show link, that link in the show notes so that you can get all your equipment in one little package. Then begin planning what you want to water bath can this year. Maybe you want to grab up strawberries when they're on sale or maybe you have a trip planned to a strawberry farm or a blueberry farm. Maybe you're going to go pick blackberries this summer. Make a plan of what kinds of things you could be looking for as they come into season and purchase them in a bulk amount so that you can do some water bath canning to preserve them or grow them yourself in your own garden. So remember to check out my Instagram this weekend to see the extract demo on IGTV and to enter the giveaway for an extract kit and a bag of vanilla sugar. Next week, we're going to talk about easy veggies that you can grow in your garden. So until then, stay happy, my friends, and be thankful for every day that it's not cold and dreary and raining because we are one day closer to spring. Bye, y'all. Thanks for stopping by, y'all. If you're inspired by what you've heard today, the best compliment you can give me is to share the Funky Farm Girl with your friends. You can stay connected by following the Funky Farm Girl on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Until we meet again next week, remember to bloom where you're planted. (laughs) 